The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Leaders Moment by FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take a moment to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews and stories of leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Hi, Scott McClelland here for your FX Missions podcasting effort. Thanks for being along. Pretty excited today to be rejoined with a friend after an A few years, I'd say. Tim Flockman, welcome. Happy to be with you. This is great. Man, thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm trying to think back as we were preparing to get together on the podcast here. Where did I meet Tim? You know, I know generally where I met you, but I'm trying to think of some of my first memories of you. I believe fairly early on when we were in the Carolinas, you spoke about faith and business and things like this in a message that you shared of course, we were both at Morningstar at the time. And this must have been, wow, 05, 06, something like that. Does that sound right? Don't know. It would have been a while back. I don't know if it would have been that early, but it was a ways back there anyway. We got there in 05, and we were there to 13. And it was definitely in the first quarter or the first half of that time. I don't know what was going on with you in business in 05, 06, 07 along that time. But I know you've done a lot in business, and I know faith is really been central to your approach. So I appreciate for that reason you coming on and just want to kind of unpack some of your experiences and how you attack the subject of faith and business leadership and those kinds of things. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and maybe some about your career, and then we can go back and get some of those stories from the old days. Sure. Well, right now I'm running the U.S. office for a point of sale company. Uh, that's based out of Australia. So I'm running the U.S. office for that company. Been doing that for several years. Prior to that, I did a stint where I actually worked at Morningstar for three years, kind of took a hiatus from the business career. But before that, I owned my own point of sale software company or uh, service company and had done that for quite a few years and then sold that business in 2009. Most of my career has been in that kind of area, I had an early stint of, let's say, a lot of my business career has been driven by hunger, feeding kids and taking care of diapers and all that kind of stuff. I waited table through my first three kids and was just hungry. And that's actually how I got started in business in the first place is I am in business today because of, <laughs> of a God who's real. If you want to talk about faith and business, I mean, he's interested in what you do. He's interested in your provision, and he's interested in everything you put your hand to, not to the minutest detail. And that kind of is how I run business. He's interested in all the stuff. There's not a separate thing, separate God for a church and a separate God 
or you leave him at church and come to the office and he doesn't really go there with you. That's he goes everywhere. Right? Very well said. Clearly, the enemy wants us to segregate that off in some space that where God doesn't touch our business environment and where those things will never come together. But it is one thing. I think integrity means one, right? So a life of integrity means there's one constant through that life. That's a cool way to put it. I really appreciate that. Did the waiting table side of what you did put you in a position Obviously, in a waiting tables environment, you have a ton of experience with point of sale stuff. Was there an on-ramp there for the point of sale side? Yeah, that's actually was the lead in. You know, and a lot of times what I've seen happen is that the Lord takes you in baby steps. I've taught classes on entrepreneurship and all that, which helped crystallize some of my thoughts about this, which is a lot of the stuff that you do happens in baby steps. You get baby steps of faith. We want to see the grand, big, explosive breakthrough from God. But oftentimes that grand, big, explosive breakthrough comes on the backside of 50 other little tiny breakthroughs that don't even hardly seem like they're really supernatural. But the really big one, every time you see a big breakthrough, it's almost always preceded by 15 tiny ones ahead of it, right? And so... The transition there was a baby step for me. I just saw an opportunity. I learned the point of sale system and I had an aptitude for computers. I learned the point of sale system that we used in the restaurant that I was working at. And I saw that there was only one company in the area and they were charging pretty high rate. And I figured, well, I could charge a half of what they charge and I'd make a pretty good living if I could just go around and service all the companies. And that was kind of my entrance as I started doing that which led to somebody asking me if I wanted to sell their paper to my point of sale customers and then led them asking me to come sell point of sale systems for them, which led to one step after another, just little baby steps that happened. The big explosive piece was when the company that I worked for went to go bankrupt. So sometimes your big explosive comes out of what looks like really disappointing. And actually I was contemplating on this recently. It's almost Every big explosive breakthrough that I've had came at a big financial downturn for the economy. So they went bankrupt and belly up, and I figured out a way to pull together the pieces and start a business out of what they lost. Wow. So the upside of downturn, it might be called. <laughs> the upside of downturn. That's chapter three in your book, by the way, Tim, if you don't already have it. The upside of downturn. What to do with disappointments. That's actually kind of a theme for me this week is what to do with disappointments. <laughs> That's a good theme. I think there's, you know, we certainly get some of those. Those are common, you know, in the, you know, the grouping of experiences, the wide variety of experiences we have in life and business and family and all of that. The Lord made it pretty clear he's going to make all these things work together for our good. I think we got to look for that as we're inching forward and having some of these emotional and dramatic things happen. And to go back to what you said before there, you know, it's like I was a 20-year overnight success, right? <laughs> or I was, I was a 15-year overnight success. And that's a recurring reality, I think, that people maybe who are a little bit detached from the entrepreneurship, they don't understand that. Anybody who's been in the saddle very long gets it, right? So I think that's what you're trying to say there in terms of the baby steps and the incremental instead of the revolutionary. It's not one or the other, it's both. Well, it takes faith. I'll tell you what takes faith. 
it takes faith to creatively think about how to create something out of nothing. Okay, it doesn't take much faith to go out and get a quarter million dollar business loan and go start something. That doesn't take much faith. Everything that I started, I started with nothing. In fact, I had to get a $400 loan from one of my customers in order to start that business we talked about because the company that went bankrupt owed me a bunch of commissions and I had no money in my bank account when they went bankrupt. And so I literally borrowed $400. My testimony is that I figured that if I really had faith, I could start that business with $50,000. And I started it with 400. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and I think that's the way sometimes we think about it, right? We think, okay, we think about what's it going to take. And, you know, we're maybe adding budgets and other things in there. And, of course, there's a place for all that. That kind of reminds me of the story in the Gospels where Jesus says, feed these people. And they're saying, okay, A year's wages couldn't pull it off there, boss. And he says, what do you have? And so what you had was what you borrowed from a a client of all things. (laughs) That's cool, man. That's what Elijah asked the widow woman, too. He was providing provision for her. He said, what do you have? And she said, well, all I have is this, and I'm going to eat it and die. That's what she said. She was planning on her death. And God's just saying, what do you have? So starting or Doing anything in business a lot of times is as creative as thinking about what do you have, not what don't I have. What is the loan that I think I need, the $50,000 that I thought would. And I literally sat on the shelf waiting for $50,000, figuring, well, someday I'm going to get $50,000 because that's how I'm going to start my business. And the entrance to my business was the company I went for going bankrupt. That's the $50,000. I got nothing, right? So you're looking for some big thing that you can't control. You have no control. Now, granted, I couldn't control my company going bankrupt. I couldn't control all the things that came together. And I can tell you the story about how that all came together to pull that out of. There was a creative God idea that came to make that happen. But even still, there were pieces I couldn't control. But along the way, I was doing all sorts of things that I could. Right. Right. You take your step to faith. There's action to your faith. You got to take baby steps. I look at what can I do with what I have today? Can I make movement? Yes. That's, again, something that we struggle with, especially from an idealistic point of view. And we almost all start off idealistically. We've got ideals in mind, which, you know, the Lord goes right to work breaking those things down. But, I mean, we think it's either going to be what we can do or it's going to be what God can do. You know, and maybe it's remnants of our idealism. We have to be involved. It's a collaboration. So we're both contributing, right, to the thing that the Lord wants to build and we want to build. And then I think that's what you're saying here with your story. Yeah, I mean, how often, and I'd still do this, you know, we st- we all probably do it, but I still do this sometimes today. You look at something that you want to have that's unattainable five years down the line, 10 years down the line. And you look at it and throw up your hands and you think about something that you could put your hand to that might contribute to getting there, but you don't want to waste your time. If I go spend my effort on that, will it really pay off? And that's really the place of faith. Are you going to put out your efforts, put in your sale and see if it's going to work because you don't know? Or are you going to just sit and watch it, sit by the wayside and watch everybody else do it? Right. Yeah. Hesitate. There's that point there, I think, that we have to realize that faith itself is also known as risk. 
there's no way to step out in faith without an element of risk. And I think that's a challenge for us. Everybody's looking for a sure thing, but a lot of sure things are anything but sure in those initial steps. It's something we've got to realize that we have to tolerate a certain amount of risk. I think that's why they talk about the entrepreneurial mindset or things like this. You know, no, I don't think anybody really just likes risk for its own sake, but I think you have to build up and have a certain level of tolerance for risk as a person of business and equally so in faith. Does that sound right to you? Absolutely. Yeah. In our circles where Scott, you and I come from, there's some people, and I've probably done it, and you probably have to, you get out there and think, well, you got to take risks. So you go jump off, (laughs) (laughs) jump off thinking that God's going to catch you, right? Yes. I had a, a whole dialogue with somebody where the Lord downloaded something for somebody recently, because I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing the other side of that, which is you got two sides of the problem. One, I'm going to do nothing. Or when I do it, I'm going to do everything. I'm looking to make that big, huge leap and think that if I can't make that big, huge leap, leap, God isn't in it. And that's not it either. So Jesus told Peter to get out of the boat. And there was a test of faith there. And that's a lot of times where people think is that God's testing them. The real truth is that if you're starting a business, you're actually crossing a Red Sea or you're crossing a Jordan River. You're either going into the wilderness or you're going into the promised land. In those particular situations, there was a very supernatural event that happened that the water parted, but the people walked on dry ground. They didn't walk on the water. So there was a very natural component to their supernatural event. Nice. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so when you apply that to people in business who are trying to do something, they're looking to walk on the water. And Jesus, you know, God's not saying walk on the water. He's saying, let me part the waters. I'm going to, it's going to be a supernatural event. Like for me, starting a business with $400 that I figured 50,000, it was a very supernatural event, but I had to just walk it out. You know, in the midst of it, a lot of it felt pretty ordinary because I'm walking on dry ground. So there's that component of just walking on dry ground, but you were walking on dry ground that wasn't dry ground just a few minutes ago, right? Yeah, exactly. And I've never heard it characterized quite like that, which really makes a lot of sense, Tim. The idea of, obviously, you can't part the waters. That's going to take the supernatural. But the walking on dry ground is something you do every day. It's that marriage or that interplay with the supernatural events and the I'm getting up, I made coffee, I got myself awake and I look presentable and I'm going to the client's office or I'm going to my office or I'm going to my desk or whatever I'm doing. That's the dry ground piece of what you're talking about. Absolutely. It makes a ton of sense. I know for me, at least in my first two businesses, I was like, let me base jump off of this building here and see how it goes. And I can do a scar review later on those. <laughs> I learned a lot. In faith and in Christ, you win or you learn. You know, and sometimes you do both, but sometimes the winning is less learning and the learning is less winning. I definitely got a lesson out of that. But yeah, the whole Geronimo jump or something, I've done that, but it's that marriage of, I'm going to part the waters you go through. I've seen that, but I haven't heard somebody say it quite like that. That's good. So you started a business, your point of sale business, 
the $400, you got started. How many years were you going in that business? And I know you guys experienced explosive growth. And I know you're deeper into the industry now than you were at the beginning. So obviously our feeling for growth and all those kind of things change as we see more. But you guys grew well and you ended up selling that business. I know at that time you were thinking about maybe moving back to where you guys were from and some other things happened. But how long was the time between when you started and when you sold? Seven years. But I almost died in the middle of that. (laughs) I mean, not personally really died, but almost went bankrupt at a certain point. So, you know, there's, there's these places where you step out in faith and how do you handle the disappointments? How do you handle the problems? And as I said, I've alluded to this earlier, almost every big downturn or problem that's come has come with, it's really right there before some big breakthrough. So I started that business following the model of the company that I had worked for. And about a year and a half in ish, I couldn't sell a system to save my life. And we went for about three months and it was me and one employee. And between payroll taxes and that employee, by the time I got done with that period where we couldn't sell, I was $20,000 in debt. And I only took home $35,000 that year because <laughs> <laughs> we just barely get started. You're 70% of the way of what you took home in debt. Ouch. It was pretty darn ugly. And what I figured out was Elijah was at the brook and the brook dried up. You know, he, he's, he's, I believe that story was after he got chased out by Jezebel, but he's, he's off of the brook and the brook dries up. You know, the ravens are feeding him, the brook dries up, and then, you know, the Lord tells him to go. Well, this was a brook drying up moment for me. I had thought about doing things online, I had thought about selling in certain spaces online. I was like, I'm too busy. If I stop doing the sales thing that I'm doing, the business might fail because, and I was too afraid to let go of what I was doing in order to do it. So the Lord, kind of the way I interpret this, the Lord just dried up the brook so I could get the point that really there's some better way to do it. And as soon as I made the change to do the online stuff, because nothing was working, it was like literally do that or die. Any other choice was just do something. So we went and did that. As soon as I went online, we were selling on eBay. I became a power seller right immediately and took off. And our sales literally tripled overnight. And people just came to us and the fish just jumped in the boat. It changed everything. And that's why it got dried up. Because if I kept on doing what I was doing, I'd have kept on having to spin my wheels. It just made life 10 times easier to grow the business. Wow. Yeah. You wanted to do something, but you were a little apprehensive. And let's face it, guys. We are used to the way things are and really the the way things were. I mean, everything that's not in this moment is in the past. Even though it may be the very near past, it's still passing. And we're used to what we know and how we got into it. I had in my business, we celebrate 20 years. We did December 1st and we'll have a 20-year party coming up here. But that to me has happened twice Our industry had two complete revolutions in the last 20 years, as yours has as well. you got to keep looking at the horizon, not just where you're standing, I guess, is the point there. And the Lord was good to you. He really made that make sense and gave you the opportunity that you were looking for, even though it was kind of done in a dire situation or dire circumstances. Yeah, but it really was the launch of everything. 
there was one launch and then there was a second launch. The first launch was when the company I worked for went bankrupt. Right. And the second launch was when I actually almost went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> the upside of downturn. We have got to get this in your book, Tim. I'm saying seriously, I, I don't know if you're thinking about writing, but I would encourage you to because those experiences and how the Lord saw you through them and how you recognized opportunity in the midst of a, an environment that looked anything but opportune. That's a cool thing. So you sold your business and what happened? I bought a few businesses and we've done a little bit of acquisition, not a ton. You know, I've done a little bit of stuff like that, but I never sold my primary business. What happened? What'd that feel like? Kind of like giving up your firstborn. (laughs) Really? And I feel that because as I've thought about it, obviously been approached at times and I've just thought, I mean, I I was there at the birth of this thing. I, you know, I, I you know what I mean. Anybody who's started something from nothing knows what I mean. What happened there? What was that like? You know, I don't know. You make all sorts of decisions and you live with your decisions, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've processed that over the years. I've gone back and forth for many years. I was like, yeah, that was really God. I did that. And other times I'm like, man, that was the stupidest thing I ever did. <laughs> Today, I don't know. It's all good. You know, you have to make peace with your past. But, you know, it was a cool thing. On one front, my son had a 14-inch tumor about 15 months later and ended up in the hospital for two months straight. And if I could look at it and go, man, if I'd have been trying to run the business, keep everything afloat with all that going on, it would have been pretty rough. But We were in a pretty good position. And so there was a lot going on at that time in my life. But it was an interesting thing, you know, I talked to all sorts of people who think whatever they had, and this is what I thought my thing was, you know, how would somebody come in and take over what I'm doing? Because I was the premier owner operator. I had all sorts of experience and knew what I was doing and how does somebody come in? I can tell you if any one of your listeners is listening and thinking, I can't sell my business, you're wrong. Mm, Really? You're wrong. I met a guy and I think we met him at Morningstar. I ended up having lunch with him and he's like, yeah, I don't think I can sell my business. And he ended up selling his business for like 30 million. Because I I told him the story. I'm like, you can sell your business. I promise you it will go. And he was like six months later and was gone. You You had some timely input for him there. I think about selling my business. That's not really the right way to say it, I don't think. I consider the subject. People approach you, things happen, that kind of thing. I'm conflicted about it. You know, obviously, I mean, it's kind of like having real estate. When the real estate market's really hot, you know your asset is going up in value. Sometimes you get bigger multiples than you do at other times. Obviously, is something attractive there. It also is a curiosity and a challenge to me. I have a ton of respect for anybody that took a business from zero and brought it to a level where it was attractive to onlookers and went through that process. I've got a ton of respect for that. You know, Bob Jones, may he rest in peace, as I'm quite sure he is. He gave me a word one time. Interestingly, I won't unpack all of it, but it was just like, hey, this is going to bless you. I had some kind of donation I'd done and, you know, it was in his view. And, he, you know, he said, the Lord's seen that. The Lord saw that and he's going to bless you. And it's going to bless you, your children, and your children's children. And so I said, yeah, okay. All right. Well, thank you. You know, obviously, we went straight into the hurt locker. (laughs) You know how it works when you get something profound like that. Everything happens 
to try to prove that to be not true. We went into the Hurt Locker. We Obviously, we came out. On two sides of the coin, you think, I could sell this business at some level, at some point, and it'd be a blessing to me and my children and my children's children. Or I could keep the business, and it'd be a blessing to me and my children and my children's children. You see what I'm saying? So we're looking for this neat either or, and sometimes it's not that tidy. No, I could say this, you know, first of all, you can sell it. Anybody can sell a business. I promise you there's somebody who's a broker who will help you get it sold and they'll get you somebody behind it. It'll sell. You know, I don't care what you have. If there's some value to it. And if you don't think it'll sell, come see me. I'll take it off your hands. You guys heard that. You've got a business. We're going to put the contact. I'm honestly praying into that. And actually, just this last week, I had that approach me. Not the place where I'm going to take it for free. But the person doesn't think they can get any money out of it. And I can actually make sure they get some money out of it. And I get something out of it too, but I don't have to have any money down. So interesting little side note there. There's ways to do creative ideas. Again, if you can get creative and think outside the box, God can do pretty crazy stuff. Anyway, I got off track there on that little tangent. What were we talking about? <laughs> I think we were talking about, you know, you went through the process of building a business and you sold it. What was that like? Oh, I was going to say this. Yeah. Selling, you know, if you're going to sell, you need to know either one, you heard from God and, or two, you need to know where you're headed, have a plan, know what you're going to do next. Because that process is, as you said, it's disorienting. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you don't have something that you go to every day and figuring out how to deal with that and what are you going to do next and that kind of piece. You know, even if you got money to live on, it doesn't necessarily change the fact that you need something to do. And, you know, there's fruitful engagement and all that stuff. Yeah. I heard a guy in a seminar or some kind of conference I was in one time who had sold his business. It was a very huge network business that he sold his business to back in the day. Maybe it was level three or something. And he said, what we didn't anticipate is that suddenly everything became an option. Right now, we're limited. You know, we have a lot of things we're deciding about. You got things you're deciding about. I've got things I'm deciding about. But when it comes to money, not everything is an option. <laughs> you know, there, there are some things that are not an option when it comes to practically speaking about it. And he said, I was surprised by that. Now, I guess he got somewhere around 20 to 50 million for the whole business. And he, maybe he was majority. I don't know. It was a lot, lot of money, you know, and he said he wasn't prepared for that. And it goes to your point, being prepared for the next steps as a result of the steps you've just taken will help you not get sidelined or get maybe in a bad place after what's consistently been there and that you've built yourself around. Your identity doesn't leave with the name over the door, something like that. One of the things um, I'm learning in this season, and I think a lot of business people struggle with that, is learning your identity. Who are you? What is your identity And as a son rather than as a business person? Because if you're making up for the fact that you criticize yourself all the time and your thought life about yourself is pretty negative, and your identity can suffer there. And if you're not doing what you're doing in order to feed your identity, but it's coming out of a whole and healthy identity, then it's all the difference in the world and it changes everything. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think I know I've wrestled with that over the years at times. 
having a too big of an identification with being successful or feeling at least consequential. I don't know how it was for you, but as a young person, I came from a very humble set of circumstances. Nobody told us we we're poor, and that's the only reason we didn't know, right? I mean, it was a simple and fairly constrictive upbringing. And so as a young man in hyperextension, the main thing I wanted to do was prove myself. Ambition didn't quite describe it. You know what I'm saying? It was almost like I had a vacuum around my personal identity, and I was fighting to get away from this sucking vacuum that was telling me I was nothing. And and not worthwhile. That prove yourself thing really was hard for me to get through. Really hard. This gets to a whole nother topic. I don't know if we have time, but I'll put it this way. And you can decide how far you want to go with this. But we have beliefs. We have our theology about what we think, who God is and how he is. And then you have actually operating beliefs, what you actually operate on. I call it your spiritual operating system. You got a spiritual operating system, what you actually believe. When things get tough, do you think God's angry with you or do you think he's a good heavenly father who's watching out for you? Not what do you theologically think he is. At your gut level, do you believe that he's actually going to take care of you? And that gut level belief is your operating belief. And so reprogramming your head to get your operating beliefs into a place that your theological beliefs and operating beliefs are the same changes everything. And then work becomes not a problem. And all the problems don't become problems. They're something you're partnering with God to do. And I'm doing it not because I'm trying to earn something from him, but because we're just doing this together. And this is what I do with my father. Yes. I'm tracking with you. The things we say we believe and then how we live. I think that's what you're saying. The disparity between what you think you believe and what you actually believe. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. That is exactly where I was trying to go, but I couldn't get there. Right. What you think you believe and how you live. And you think you believe it, by the way. Don't get me wrong. You do think you believe it, but you're wrong. (laughs) Until it's challenged. I mean, and I think that's the way faith works too, right? In business and life, our faith is tested. And then sometimes it's tried, right? Which are, you know, kind of maybe their own things. I think that's what you're saying. I think some people get off on this and they go, well, I can believe for, you know, a hundred thousand dollar business or a million dollar business. Oh yeah. That's not what I'm talking about because you can't believe for the million dollar business. If you really don't believe that God loves you enough and just loves you. So getting to the point where you understand who you are in relation to him and you're getting a relationship with him, right. And your relationship with your right yourself, right. I love God, but God loves me. A lot of Christians that I know, they can't accept God's love because they don't love themselves. I got a critical spirit, but my critical spirit isn't about other people. My critical spirit toward me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I see what you're saying, and it makes sense. It's hard to overcome that negative self-talk. You know, some of the most encouraging people on the outside, they got that chorus of voices that are at all times trying to break them down and make them feel like, This is true for everyone else. God loves all of you. And I'm going to be one who makes sure you know and understand that. But as for me, I'm the exception to the rule. You know, yeah, I've seen that. And so when you resolve that inner conflict, you can start to resolve lots of things. 
we talk about disappointments, when you resolve the disappointments, when you resolve the things that, and you can resolve the problems of life and the things that didn't go right. Sometimes you don't know how to deal with the disappointments. We got all these great testimonies of things that did go right, but then there's those things that don't go right. How are you going to deal with those? And how are you going to resolve that conflict with the Lord and with yourself? And when you can find that place of peace and accept that he loves you, it does change the world. Your purpose in business and what it serves and what it's doing changes. That to me sounds like, what do they say? Simplicity on the far side of processing, right? You know, I forget the quote that I'm trying to drag up here, but you know, there's simplicity on the near side of processing and there's simplicity on the far side of processing. And I think we can come to a point of clarity like you're describing that puts us in a place where we see things how they are. You know, by the way, that's how God sees them. God sees things the way they are. A lot of times we're seeing things not as they are, but maybe as they're being made to appear and all of those kind of things. That kind of clarity is something we should seek to get to. Even if we're in the process in this moment, we're in pain or we're discomforted or we're facing an obstacle or maybe a series of obstacles, we can push through and get to that point of clarity. And then the fight starts over. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a journey, right? There's no arrival for this, but you kind of have to commit to the journey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm tracking with you on that and committing to the journey. I'm just encouraged that you were willing to jump on here and share some of your story. I know your story as mine continues to unfold. I really appreciate it. Is there some other things that you want to make sure and mention, Tim? What else do you want to make sure and get in? Then I want to, if you have some resources, a book or something that you would suggest, maybe a a website, whatever, anything that you'd want to pass along to as a resource or anything of the kind that you'd want to mention? Well, I'll say this. We were talking about disappointments and the fact that a lot of the big breakthroughs that I had come. I'll, I'll, I'll share a recent one, and this one's pretty short, so I won't go too deep into it. But everybody can relate on some level because we all just went through COVID and or are going through COVID and all the stuff that happened. When that hit, downturns come from this kind of stuff. So I'm looking at it, and I'm walking in the woods, and the Lord's reminding me some of the things, which is why I'm able to recall these things pretty quickly, is because the Lord reminded me that Almost every downturn, actually every major breakthrough that I've had through financially came in the middle of a downturn. Once I remembered that, then I took courage with that because I just looked at this and I went, okay, I guess he'll do it again. Because, <laughs> you know, looking at the downturns and what's going to happen. And at the time, it didn't change anything right away. I never saw any change. But at the time, what I did notice is that, and I can't get into big gory details, but A lot of the things that I had complained about for this business, things that weren't going the way that I'd hoped that they would go for years, overnight became the biggest blessings. So there were certain industries that I was expected that we would probably take with, you know, do really well with and couldn't make those industries work. Well, those industries happened to be very susceptible to problems with COVID and wiped out tons of businesses. And the ones that I went and found because we couldn't make those ones work actually were not at all susceptible to COVID and all kept launching. So we lost no income, basically held off steady for the entire fiscal year 
during COVID. And then now just recently in the last six months, we're exploding. We're running like three or four times prior years. So we're just in the middle of exploding, but it all came in the middle of downturn and problems and headaches. And so the disappointments comes and God can take disappointments and the things that didn't work and make something beautiful. Man, that is really cool. That whole engagement that you were having with the Lord and the fact he's reminding you of these things you're calling to mind and to see that fulfilled yet again. Thankfulness is what I feel for that. God is faithful. He can be nothing other. (laughs) And even as we grow in responsibility, we grow in resource, we grow in in a variety of directions, it kind of makes the stage look different. The disappointment that we're facing now compared to the other ones might feel and look different, but the Lord is there and he is faithful and he sees us through those things and on from them. That's a powerful testimony. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Is there something you want to point people to or a resource that has been valuable to you along the journey so far? Oh, there's so many books. I don't know if I've got any that necessarily relates to all the things that we've been talking about. I'll tell you one in the last thing that we were talking about related to identity. So if anybody's got curiosity on that particular front, there are several podcasts that you could go to. But the one that I've kind of just stayed with for a while is a lady called Jenna Winston. She was the prophetic deliverance pastor at Bethel and Reading. And now she's moved to LA. Listening to her podcast has been very encouraging related to identity specifically. This isn't even really a business podcast. It's not at all a business podcast, but on that particular front, there's... Do you know the name of her podcast or should we just look it up? Jenna Winston. Through the Eyes of a Seer Prophet, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. We'll find it and we'll backlink it in the blog to make it easy for folks to get there. Really, really appreciate your time, Tim. Blessings to you guys and to a bright future. I hope you can manage all the wins that you're getting. I know that creates the upside problems as we were talking about. But yeah, may the Lord be near to you guys. And I hope you have a great family time. Obviously, we're recording right before the holidays here. I hope you have a great time during the holidays. Yeah, you too. Yeah, we're actually in the middle of having to exercise our faith, not to get business, but to be able to handle the business we've got coming in. That's actually my faith prayer. Oh my God. By the way, he's given some really miraculous, great creative solutions for those problems too. We're still in the middle of walking those out right now. Yeah, that is very cool, man. That's super cool. Blessings to you, bro. Thanks for being with us. And we'll double back with you at some point. Next time I get to Carolina, we can grab a coffee or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I am Scott McClellan, and this is your FX Missions Leadership Moment. To contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks so much for being here. Let us know if you had a light bulb moment today. Send a message to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again.